Welcome to The Uplift, where we are uplifting our lives, uplifting each other, and uplifting our communities together. Thank you for joining myself, Sai Herrera, and Tessa Savala here, two women, two attorneys, doing it our way, and inviting you here each week to share in on the stories, advice, and life lessons we've picked up along our journeys that keep us uplifted, and that will hopefully do the very same thing for you. Now buckle in and let's get ready to be uplifted. Hello, everyone. I'm Tessa and I'm so glad you're here. I am joined today by the lovely and talented Sai. Thank you, Tessa. Hello. Happy to be here as well. I was watching a rom-com this weekend on Netflix with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher and in the middle of it, I was surprised by some really fantastic life advice. There was this character played by Ting Nataro who said to one of the other characters, why are you telling yourself that story? Trying to get them to change, you know, the way they were perceiving themselves in the situation. And I thought, wow, that is deep. That is so important and that is such a great uplift because why are we talking to ourselves in such bad ways i mean i know i'm guilty of it at times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and i'm it thinking can be natural yeah <laughs> it's natural it is so like ingrained in society like i'm thinking mm. of an example college where there were women, I guess would be the right phrase, who thought that by the age of, you know, 25, they need to be married. By the age of 30, they need to start. (laughs) They had to have had their first child, right? Had to have their second child well before they hit 35. And it was just like this timeline. I'm like, I remember thinking, who made up this timeline? And why is everybody buying into it? But that's just like one of a thousand examples all of the things scripts. that we tell ourselves yeah uh, all the scripts that we ascribe to we're like yep that's yeah the <laughs> and I thought you know this is a great phrase why are you talking why are you telling yourself that story because you know I have been known to say you know stop talking to yourself like that and that doesn't <laughs> it doesn't convey the same thing right because then mm. you if you're the person who's receiving that message why are you talking to yourself like that there's so much thought into what am i saying is wrong and why is this a problem and you know there's a lot of perhaps walls that will then go up but when you phrase it as why are you telling yourself that story it's automatically like huh stories are usually fiction mm. at least that's how i think of them And so Mm -hmm. it totally changes your mindset of how you're thinking about it because you realize, huh, this might not be coming from me. Yeah, yeah. And I've used that on people before. And it's interesting the, the, the reactions that you get because some people will be like, oh, I never thought about it. Like, I am telling myself this story, right? Like, where did it come from? I don't know. Like, it's just the first thing that pops into my head, right? And then it's just like this wonderful moment to be like, let's think about it and and whether or not you really want to ascribe to that story because you're doing it unconsciously is the thing, right? It's it's just something that is is 
is it's, it's just programmed right we talk about deprogramming it um it, it really is something that it's just there you're just running the program you don't even realize that you're just going along um i've had some people um say it's not a story it's just the reality and i think that that one's really interesting <laughs> because so uh, interesting <laughs> yeah because because i mean they're 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 even farther off right where they they can't, they can't accept anything except for this reality this is their truth um and and it's the only way that they've ever seen it it's the only way that that they can even imagine seeing it and um and that one's a tough one but it's it's also even it, i mean to me it just even calls out more that they need to have this conversation with themselves and, and really be introspective and, and really reflect on it because they've never done it. If that's their response, then, then they've never questioned it. Right. It's just been a kind of like, keep your head down and accept this. This is your reality. And you don't get to, you don't get to decide anything else. There's no wiggle room. Right. So that's really interesting. Wow. And then one other, <laughs> yeah. One other thing I've heard is somebody told me, I've never had this happen, but somebody told me once that sometimes, um, people can get defensive because it's like this is their truth and you're calling it a story and I think that that one would be really hard I've I've never I've never been in a conversation like that yet um but that one could be tough because some people I mean it, it kind of builds off the last one where you know if this is all you've ever known and you can't even imagine it's it's kind of like when we talk about being young and like having exposure to different realities and different perspectives and different opportunities and different lifestyles and different you know paths if you've never seen that then you know it can be like this it's it's more than a limiting mindset it's like literally you don't know anything else so when somebody else tells you that there's a whole other world it's really hard for you to to even imagine that when you're like nope that doesn't that doesn't tie to any truth I've ever seen you know so (laughs) it's really interesting how people can um can take it but but it's such an important conversation to have and I think it it's usually definitely a door opener um but it might be very it might be far farther off for some people than others you know I was thinking about the what that example you gave about how essentially this is your fate and you have subscribed to it and mm. all you can do is go along and I thought about you know the people that I know that tend fatalistic I've heard mm-hmm. some of them say this may be my fate but I have the choice of how I'm going to react to it. Hmm. And I'm like, interesting, right? Like that nuance yeah. that I've accepted that this is a fate, but I get yep. to choose how I'm going to, you know, live accordingly in that side, yeah. that fate. I'm like, hmm. And maybe there's nuance to all of them, right? Like obviously none of them are perfect because, you know, humans are not perfect. But how do we get around to talking to ourselves in better ways how do we tell ourselves better stories for those of us who are open to that idea right who recognize that how we talk to ourselves impacts the Mm -hmm. amount I think of happiness we can have in our lives right like unless there's unless you've encountered people who tell themselves stories that seem very say arduous to someone like me and you I would think that the way we react to those stories isn't necessarily striving toward happiness right because I don't know many of those stories that are like 
you are amazing. You can do anything. (laughs) I think those stories should be that. Right. No, yeah, they tend not to be, unfortunately. Um, I don't know why society wants us to hate ourselves, but it definitely does. (laughs) And I mean, to me, it it all speaks to the fact that there's still so much trauma in our society. That's, That's really what I go down to, where I'm like, you know, misery loves misery. People who have been hurt hurt other like they I mean it's just a cycle right it's it's just circular yeah. in that nature but um yeah I think you touched on something I heard you touch on something that was really 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 brilliant in my mind which is that um th- this very much is related to the conversation of choice and the perception of how much choice or in psychology they would call agency you have in your life it really is yeah. that, you know, because at the end of the day, if you're telling yourself, this is what I have to do, this is the next thing to do, this is what I'm supposed to, this is what success looks like, then really what you're saying is I do not have any choice. Society has laid this out for me, or sometimes it's very specific, like my parents want me to be a doctor, period. That's what I have to be, you know, like whatever, wherever it's coming from, wherever these expectations are coming from that you've been now internalized, um, essentially we're having a conversation about where does the agency lie? Does it lie within you? Does it lie within some, you know, within your inner circle somewhere with one individual person that's outside of you? Does it lie within, you know, larger society and the expectations that are sought, are put upon you because of your, you know, your gender, um, your, your age, you know, your, your class, your status and society, whatever. Um, and you have all these messages coming from all over the place, but sometimes they are very loud and clear um, <laughs> and, um, and people enforce them. Right. I mean, with the, child, oh, yeah. you know, the marriage and children thing. I mean, I think it's just so interesting how people feel. I mean, maybe I hope it's changed. I really hope it's changed, but um, I do. I mean, people just feel so comfortable just letting you know, especially when you're a woman, they don't, oh, I don't yeah. remember them telling my husband anything, but, um, right. but, but I mean, as a woman, it's just like your body is, is, is not yours part of, no yeah it's like okay next child next child you know when 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 why and it's just interesting to me that these conversations are so casual and just so accepted that's how you know that they're accepted they're 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 socially accepted right and so yeah. I, I love that you brought up choice and for me that that translates to free will and and for me that translates into agency which is a huge predictor of how happy you will be in life actually is your perception of how much agency you have in your life oh, how much really? yeah Tell yeah us more. yeah so like, no if mm-hmm. you see yourself as having a l- grand ability to choose for yourself mm-hmm. so high level of agency does that lead to higher happiness or less happiness higher so the more more power and control you think that you have over your life then yeah you feel you feel great because you're just thinking if I don't like something I'll change it right (laughs) and and it's even like the thing you said about your friend of just saying like well this terrible thing has happened or or this is my you know this is what's happening in my life but I have a choice to react to it how I will that is huge actually that could that could save that person's entire psyche honestly because when you think well all of these terrible things can happen to me and you know there's no choice but for me to be miserable about it to feel terrible about it to always feel terrible about it it's never going to change I'm never going to heal you know one of the things that I mean just not even very long ago very recent years when I started hearing the phrase trauma healing it gave me hope (laughs) 
it's just so ridiculous. It's no, so no, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But it's, no. I mean, it feels so amazingly funny that it's just this, you know, two words put together gave me hope where I was just like, I was steeping in the idea that like so many people, especially, you know, people that I love, um, just my, my, you know, my ancestors, just uh, so many people and so many others have experienced such incredible trauma and grappling with that and knowing how damaging it is, right? Because I learned how damaging it is and how, you know, and, and I mean, just how long lasting those damages are, that it gets really dark and, 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 you know, it's hard to find anything good there. Um, and literally just hearing about the fact that like people are, are doing things for trauma healing. Like there is an opportunity for there to be healing here from this terrible thing. Um, that gave me hope because I thought, Oh, we have some power. We can seek out trauma healing. We can figure out what this is. We can go do it. We can exercise it. We can practice it there's hope that there can be healing, which means that this trauma will not rule us. And, um, and, and I think it's the same thing, like we were talking about at the top is, what is the story that you're telling yourself? Well, the, the stories come from what you know. And that's the part that is, is really intriguing to me is that when people get introduced to somebody who has an unlimited mindset, right, who has an um, kind of, you know, a heightened, not, I won't say heightened, but just, you know, a, a mindset that is not bogged down by one perspective or, 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 or just negativity in general, somebody who seeks out a positive mindset, a positive outlook on the world. Um, sometimes that can be extremely life-changing because people literally have never heard this before. It's like going to a new place and seeing people do something that you didn't know people do you know it's like oh it's real right it's a case (laughs) in point you're like oh you can do that yeah like you can do that you're setting an incredible example of like it's okay yeah you can think this way you can you can change the narrative it's you're allowed it's it's all right right and that and that can and that can make all the difference for people for sure this made me think of a really funny story that happened recently in my life I have developed a you know we'll call it a strong interest in football the world sports and so I've started watching a lot of football both domestic and European leagues and in that I have watched documentaries about football well I was watching this documentary about FIFA and the problems with FIFA and FIFA Mm -hmm. advertisers and their first advertiser when they started down this path, which was in, I think the 60s or 70s, was with Adidas, which in the United States, people would call Adidas. So mm-hmm. I realized that Adidas was actually a German company, which it is, mm. and was two brothers. And the name came from their family name. And it was actually Adidas is how it should be pronounced. So I'm relating this story to a friend of mine who is very much into American football. And he says to me, Tessa, if you say that to other people, they're just going to laugh at you if you refer to Adidas as Adidas. And I'm like, I looked at him, I said, why would I care what other people think? (laughs) Especially for my Eurocentric world, right? Right. (laughs) Excuse me. Like, you know, born in my formidable years in Europe. 
<laughs> that even in the United States, a European household, because my mother was European, is European. And I thought to myself, well, I guess I am too, since I was born there. But anyhow, <laughs> on to it, you know, European bias here because of this. And I'm like, huh, I'm pronouncing it the proper European right. way. Right. And this American guy is like, yeah, you can't say that here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And then, but that was shocking to me. And then, what was what was shocking to him, and I saw it on his face, was me saying, "Why would I care what other right. people think?" That that's a foreign concept to so many people. That's one of my yeah. favorites. Oh my god! And this is a guy in his seventies, and he was just like, "Wow, what?" And I'm like, "Oh my wow. god, how have you yeah. lived this long and not? Wow, yeah. How did you not drive yourself insane?" I tell people that all. I'm like. I'm like, literally, I figured this out in my teen years. I was like, if I tried to please everyone and tried to do what everyone expected of me, like I would, I would be killing myself basically. Like, and and then, and then not only that, but like, literally it's impossible. I'm like, this person wants me to do this. That person wants me to do that. And so like, literally it's impossible. You cannot do it. I'm so glad I figured that out early too, because I mean, you will spend (laughs) so much time trying to please different people. And then you'll wonder, like, why it never works. Like, li- literally, there's too many. There's too many different, uh, you know, opinions of what you should be doing with your life. Right. And I think how you react to those type of situations really determines the stories you tell mm-hmm. yourself, right? Like, oh, yeah. there are times where I tell myself stories that aren't great. But most of the time, my stories are about self-defiance like, or self-reliance <laughs> and defiance. Like, why would I care what anyone else thinks? Oh, I got to share this quote from Coco Chanel. It's one of my favorite. It's a little snarky, so it's not really in the brand, but it's so good. <laughs> she says, why would I care what you think of me? I don't think of you at all. <laughs> right? I can't. I'm like, I love this quote so much. And it's 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 a little it's a little sassy, but I yes. love it because at the same time it's like you have to be a little sassy sometimes in society because other because it's that defiance piece, right? Where it's like yeah. you are taught that you're supposed to care what everyone thinks of you. You should dress for the way everyone expects you to dress. You should speak the way everyone expects you to speak. You should date who everybody wants you to date. You should, I mean, literally it will go on and on and on for the rest of your life. And people, yeah. you know, who, um, you know, people who defy those, those social norms are really the ones who do amazing things. And people are like, oh, how did that happen? Like, they're so shocked. And it's like, <laughs> because I didn't listen to you. <laughs> Right. And, you know, I find that the people who have that type of like, I could do anything, I don't put limits on myself, Mm -hmm. I'm not caring what other people think, are more of the people on the outside Mm -hmm. of, say, the norm, the privilege, the people who everything like comes to, I find that those people tend to worry more about what other people think than the people who have existed kind of on the outer fringe of always being othered by somebody mm. I think we end up being more defiant because we're like yeah I've heard that story so many times I'm just gonna yeah. do whatever I want yeah and I mean you hit a breaking point too right and yeah. I and, and and that's what's really interesting is like you can, I mean there's so much here Tessa there's so much because now I'm thinking about belonging you know and what and what mm-hmm. a fundamental need that is of of, of human beings right um, and then subcultures and like building your own family and uh, different things like that. I mean, there's so many ways that this expresses itself, but it's like, yeah. yes, we all have the fundamental need to feel like we belong. Um, and um, I just heard this thing Brene Brown said, who's, who she was quoting Maya Angelou, who said, 
you know, I belong to me. And, and that was really interesting because at first she hated this quote. <laughs> Brene Brown was like, this quote doesn't make any sense because I know that, you know, as a human researcher, we all need to feel like we belong to like a social group, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then she realized that it, it really was, Maya was really referring to the fact that like, you have to basically be loyal to yourself, right? You have to belong to yourself in a way where you're proud of, of who you are. Um, and then it's like, you can find where your tribe is, right? Like then you can find yeah. who you're really supposed to be surrounding yourself with because really the other thing, this is so steeped in identity too. is like, if you go around trying to please everybody and be who everyone expects you to be, you're going to look up and not even recognize yourself one day. Like you don't, you won't even know who you are. You know, that's, that's terrifying actually, especially it's in your totally formative years. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's how people end up in marriages that they don't understand how they got here or living a life where they just, you know, that they hate, frankly. And, and, and how did they get there? It was probably because, you know, they followed the path that somebody else set for them. Um, and, and so it's really important to be intentional in those ways. And it's really important to know yourself. I think that's the other part that um, maybe kind of gets lost in this where we're just like, I don't like other people telling me what to do, but what do I do instead? And, and the answer part of it at least has to be that you really are reflecting on what is important to you on who you really are on what, you know, drives you on what motivates you on what, what you really want for your life, you know, the opposite of doing what other people want you to do with your life is to find out what you want to do with your life and do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of it is perhaps, mm, I am remiss to say this, knowing that you are a parent, but <laughs> other parents in this world tend to cause some trauma to their children. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents in, unintentionally or intentionally put expectations on their kids and that's how we kind of learn right like we're told from mm -hmm. very young age this is what you need to do this is how you need to do it and you have to say thank you or you have to say please mm -hmm. you have to be nice to the person who is mean to you and the list goes on and on and on and so we're kind of like right into this idea that what we need to be doing doesn't come from us it comes from other yeah. people yeah absolutely yeah, and you've internalized so much. And I mean, I would I would venture to say probably all parents <laughs> cause some trauma <laughs> to their children. And it's always, I mean, it's usually unintentional. I, sometimes it, it probably is intentional. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's it's just true. And, and, and I think about it as a larger thing of like, you know, as individuals, I think, um, or at least I, I expect in my human experience that most of us are trying to seek some kind of enlightenment of some sort. Like we're trying yeah. to grow, we're trying to get to some higher level, um, higher plane. Um, and, and when you talk about parenting and, and, and rearing children, it's raising children. It's, it's, it's really interesting because it makes me contemplate this idea that like as a society, it's almost as though we are doing the same thing. Now we can argue like how, how good that's going. <laughs> how well is that going? But <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's like every new parent thinks, wow, my parents did X, Y, and Z wrong. I'm never going to do that with my kids. I'm going to do this. Right. And right. then, and then, you know, there's unintended consequences. There's some other traumatization that happens for other reasons. And then those kids look back at their parents and say, 
the, these parents traumatized me in these ways. I'm never going to do that with my children, right? <laughs> and so it's just so interesting that the cycle goes on and on. And but but the other thing I picked up on when you were talking is is for me, I don't this this word is probably really packed and loaded, but um you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat akin in my mind to grooming, like you're just grooming a child to, to, to um, function in the world that exists, right, and so like right now, I know how society is, I know how I want it to be, Um, and I'm essentially preparing the child, right, well you are, you really are preparing a child for the way that the world is, and hopefully the world will be different by the time that they get older, I mean, think about our generation, our generation right now, the world is completely different than when our parents grew up, it's just, and no matter where they grew up, it's completely different than it is now, and we would never teach ourselves (laughs) some of the things that they taught us, but they taught us those things because they knew the world as it was. They don't know the world for what it's going to be, right? And so what's interesting in that lesson alone is that if you're growing, you know, and, and you're coming of age at any given time, um, you have to know that, you know, your parents, maybe if they if they were, you know, as good as they could be, they were teaching you for what they knew and for what society was at the time. And you have to know that the world changes. And so just that reason alone, it makes sense to change your mind and to question everything and to, to explore, you know, what's right for you now in this point in time, because we know as a, as a general, you know, foundation and just common denominator that the world changes from underneath us. Right. So we, we literally have to change or we'll be applying old principles to new circumstances. Definitely. I have in the last couple of years stopped trying to, you know, live in or live my life so that it is working its way through how the world is. And instead living my life in a way in mm-hmm. and be. Absolutely. Right. Yes. I think helped a lot for me during say, all the social upheaval, whether it was women's rights, LGBTQ issues, Black Lives Matter, the litany that we saw, I think, come, become heightened during the pandemic. And we sat, I sat there and I thought, you know, I have been guilty of sitting there and not laughing when somebody makes a sexist comment in a business meeting. Mm. Because I think we've all, if we've worked in corporate America, we've experienced that situation. And see, again, I would go back to my loaded word. You've been yep. groomed to do that. You've yep. been groomed to laugh against your own interest. And it's intentional. You see what I mean? Like that, yeah. that to me is like, you are literally conditioned, if you will, to do it, to make other people comfortable, even though you are probably incredibly uncomfortable angry. inside <laughs> yes angry so... perturbed, disturbed yeah. for the rest of your day. But you're supposed to just deal with that. Because the, the story sake I told of other myself people. was, is mm-hmm. that I was supposed to just keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And post-pandemic, and that came from somewhere. Yeah. post-pandemic, that has changed. Because I have mm-hmm. decided that I'm going to behave in the way the world should be. So now I no longer sit idly by and I, and I change the topic. Or I say, that is inappropriate. And then I just mm-hmm. keep moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's really what it's about. Is, is if we're going to re- calibrate if we're going to reprogram 
we need tools. And, and that's the part where I love the uplift for that reason, because we're really working through it in ways where we are dealing with these things where we know they're not right. <laughs> we know that we want them to be different. Right. And sometimes yeah. it's really difficult to know how to make them different. And it's really scary. And it's really challenging to overcome your programming and your conditioning when you honestly don't even know that it's there or you don't even think about it until you're being, until it's being tested. Right. Like that joke is what brings it up for you where you're like, Oh no, I need to, I need to challenge this thing. That's my MO. Right. And you wouldn't even think about that otherwise, unless that happened. Right. So that's where we can learn from each other where it's like, if this ever happened to me, this thing that happened to my friend Tessa, now I know what to do. <laughs> and we already have something to say. We already have a new script that we can point to, right? And it's it's just one of the many things that we have to we have to prepare ourselves for in the new world that we want to build. Mm-hmm. What I love about our uplift is that our conversations and our advice that comes from it, it's not because we're professionally trained in this area, but Mm-mm. because we've been practically living life and trying to figure it out. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Just like everyone else. And in, and in these times, it's like, there's nobody that even has, you know, the playbook. That's another thing that I find really interesting is, is one of the things that I love, you know, people talk often about how social media is so terrible and it is in a lot of ways, <laughs> but there are some things that I kind of really love about it. You know, yeah. one of those things is, is, is we're almost moving more to a collectivism. And I find that interesting because it's, it is a social, like, I feel like anthropological and anthropologists and <laughs> anthropologic study will look at this time <laughs> and, and think like something changed there. Right. And, and you mm-hmm. can tell because there's so much backlash um and 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 that's when things are are moving in a way that's a little too powerful too quickly for 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 the status quo for what people like um but that's okay like i i'm i'm interested in that um because just as just as much as you know bad things um are passing through um you know that's the same thing that happens in in every new technology every new news channel every new you know way of disseminating information that always happens because humans are complex and we are not all you know just good (laughs) and perfect um and but there's something else that can be said where you know the newest generation my understanding is their first right now at least their first um their first stop is um, is TikTok to learn about anything, and and what's really interesting about that is that it's not experts; it's it's just people, and yeah. and you know, and it's almost democratizing in a way where you're like, well, I've seen ten people say this, and I only seen one person say this, and I, that might not be good. I mean, maybe there's ten more people that just didn't record <laughs> on TikTok. I don't know, but it's interesting to me. It's just fascinating that there is this collectivism whereas it used to be you know you had to have written a book you had to have been an expert you you had to have these certain um initials after your name right for anyone to listen to you or it used to be tv i mean just think about that it's like people think that people on tv are experts and now people think that you know people on social media on these different apps (laughs) they have some clout, right? And, you know, it's it's not that different than TV, frankly, except for with TV, you still had to go through a publisher, a broadcaster, all of these different, um, what would you call it, kind of like uh, gatekeepers, basically, mm-hmm. right? 
And now there's less of gatekeeping in a way where people are literally even talking about that on TikTok. They're like, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to gatekeep. I'm going to tell you all the ways that I got this and that and the other, right? Is it all real? No. Is it perfect? No. But it's interesting. It's interesting to me. And, you know, I find it interesting because I think it gives voices to people who are otherwise not often heard. And I think of all of the um, times where you see, where I've seen on social media, men stand up for feminism. Mm. And it's like, huh. You might not otherwise ever see that in your your small town, big town city. You might not otherwise see that in any other place in the world where you're at. Or you can think about the global implications. Oh, my gosh. As soon as these AI mm-hmm. robots start translating everything to every language, <laughs> like we are going to be so connected in a way that is beyond. It's going to be so incredibly interesting. It is. It's scary. It it's is. scary too. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm oh, also terrified. <laughs> but yeah. it's exciting and interesting as well. And, and there could be good that comes out of it for sure. I'm hopeful it takes a while because somebody handed me a either an Instagram or a Twitter recently that was in Norwegian and usually you can you know press translate mm-hmm. and it'll translate the information but for some reason there's not a Norwegian translator <laughs> probably because there's so people who speak Norwegian and mm-hmm. so I read it back to them in English and they're like huh okay <laughs> and then I realized huh maybe I should work more on my Norwegian if it's going to avoid AI for longer <laughs> <laughs> right like i thought i was safe in my swedish since there's only like 10 million people who speak swedish but yeah. you could usually translate swedish so wow yeah. interesting they haven't come for you yet <laughs> they haven't they have not <laughs> but i mean it really is going to change the world we can't we can't i mean it already is it's it's just really interesting how how fast things are changing and and i think again um i don't think i know that th- this is why these conversations are so important and this is why we have to learn from each other because there are no experts in the world changing every minute there. You can't have an, you cannot have an expert. There isn't one that exists. And anyone that's a self-proclaimed expert is just that, right? They, they literally can't, there's nobody, you know, I used to, I remember, I don't know where I got this again. It's just one of those societal scripts, but I remember somebody, you know, saying somewhere, oh, well, if you've done something and you've done it well for 10 years, that that's when you get into like this expert level. Now you're, you've become an expert. I don't, it's so arbitrary. I don't oh, it's like that Gladwell, <laughs> like 10,000 hours or something. Make sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... Exactly. Yeah. It's so, so arbitrary in my mind now, but even more so now when you see how literally things change day to day, if not minute to minute, where there can't be an expert if that's your standard. <laughs> who's gonna right. sit there and learn about you know the iphone 3 for 10 years are they gonna be an expert in it in 10 years hell no nobody no, gets, no it's gone it's gone <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and it's the same thing with all this technology they're there and 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 not just technology i mean it's technology in the way that it relates to our human experience right yeah. and that's that's the part that i think is um and maybe it's, I don't know if it's being missed, but, but people, you know, sometimes talk about technology almost in a silo as if it's in its own little vacuum of like, oh, these things are just happening and there's a progress <laughs> happening and not really reflecting on that, how that's changing our human experience and how we relate to one another with, um, or, you know, with a lack of technology um, in so many ways. I mean, it's, the connectivity part is is the most interesting part to me because you know we started off in very small 
for the most part, you know, tribes or even towns or, you know, these, these kind of mini societies and the world just keeps getting, our worlds just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and so taking it back to like thinking about how to make, you know, our scripts of, of what, what we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, you know, it used to be, I mean, even in my childhood, just really not that long ago (laughs) you know we didn't really I was born in the 80s you know the computer was being born alongside me people didn't have computers in their home when I was growing up um until you know maybe I was in my teens um and just at that point it was like I felt like I had so much family I had so many people in my life everyone had different expectations of who I should be, what I should do, who I should be with, where I should go, you know, and, and, and that was just kind of in my, you know, I I don't know even how to characterize that the pre-tech age, I guess, you know, now, can you imagine all the voices that are bombarding people? I just can't even, how do you deal with that? And, and children and teenagers who are hypersensitive, I would say overall, you know, as a generalization that doesn't apply to everyone, but but just generally, I mean, you're very keen on your peer group when you're in your teen years. That's just, you know, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just proven. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. De- yeah. I can't either. So teens are still developing how they process and handle their emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. hopefully they have parents that teach them that. But still, when you see your peers handle their emotions differently, you know, it's a learning process still. And, and your identity of- formation. Oh, yeah. Think about how much of your story now is being told to you by Mm -hmm. social media. So I would take it upon all of us who are on social media in any shape, way, or form. Start unfollowing people who don't make you feel good. Mm. And start unfollowing people who tell you you have to do X, Y, and Z to achieve happiness. Yeah. Right? Like, Especially if it relates to, like, you have to buy this product or you have to force yourself into this horrible situation. Like... Find people who make you feel good and are out there to make you, give you the tools and help you uplift yourself. You I feel like I'm just getting, and I'm in my late 30s, full disclosure, but I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I know who I am and what really makes me happy. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that changes, right, as we get older. And it definitely changes, absolutely. But, you know, when you're a teenager... I'm just feeling right now for (laughs) all the young people, but like when you're really young, um, I shouldn't even say teenager because it's happening even, even earlier for sure. Um, I think like the, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And, and later too. Yeah. Especially because again, it's all this new onslaught of, of information, opinions, standards, conditioning, right. That's coming at us. Um, but I, I, yeah, it, it just worries me because, you know, it's, you know, they talked about FOMO for a little bit and that, mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of in the same, it's kind of in the same space as that, that the thing I'm thinking about a phenomenon where even though something doesn't make you feel good, you're seeking it out because you yeah. want to know what you should be, what you should right. look like, what you should be wearing, what you should be buying, 
um, mm-hmm. where you should be going, you know, who you should be going with. All of those things are standards that are set. Um, it's, it, God, I get to be <laughs> an anthropology written on this so interesting. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, okay, this is our new reality and how are we going to navigate it? And how are we going to put those healthy boundaries up in a way yeah. that serves our best mental, emotional wellness and not just ours, but our, you know, young people in our life, our older people in our lives. I mean, older people, they, you know, they didn't see what was coming either with all this technology. This is why we have a lot of situations happening. Right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's a lot. And, um, and nobody is, and not that I'm condone, not that I'm even advocating for it, but I mean, there's no, there's no limiting mechanism happening, which I find really interesting. I mean, I know there's, there's talks of, of some of it and, and some people are taking some measures, but even that feels really interesting because we just don't know enough of like where, or maybe, you know, maybe people would argue that we do, but um, do we really know what's best? Do we even know what is best in the way that we interact with these technologies? I, I don't know that we do. I mean, I remember when, the internet was coming out we were just like what's the word like so optimistic idealistic about this <laughs> this is just going to be amazing we're going to share all the information of the world we're all we're just going to like you know be so smart and it's going to serve the greater purpose of the world um which in some ways is true but in a lot of other ways not <laughs> you know when i was in law school which was a few years before you they were talking about the internet in terms of it's like the public sidewalk so sometimes I think of social media uh, as Mm. I remember going to the mall as a teenager right like Mm -hmm. spending the afternoon (laughs) at the mall and you Mm. know maybe that's what social media is like it's like seeing those little clicks forming throughout the mall and they're all saying something they're all judging somebody or doing something that seemed rather judgmental to me anyway and I think that's social media, right? It's like walking through the mall and seeing all those clicks and you have to figure out which ones you want to hang out with and which ones mm-hmm. you don't want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might want to hang out with them 20% of the time and some you might want to hang out with 80% of the time. But I doubt any of those places, and just like any social media place, do you really want to see them 100% of the time? Probably not. Right, right. But I mean, it's a good point because I mean, you know, you can imagine in the real world, people would get obsessed with, you know, the cool kids or the pretty girls or whatever it may be to the point that it becomes unhealthy. The same thing <laughs> on social media. And I mean, and, and you can go to the mall and, and find the best people in the world that are like your new family. I mean, it's, 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 it's just another space. It's another yeah. microcosm, right? And so it's, it's, it's a matter of, of, how we can interact with it in a healthy way and and I think the thing that worries me I guess is is you know our parents used to be able to say like oh yeah the playground I know the playground I remember when I was on the playground (laughs) this is what you have to do in the playground situation right Mm -hmm. like this person does this to you this is what you do back or this is where you do to avoid this situation blah 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 like at least we had some you know, mentors, somebody that came before us, possibly, at least hopefully for some people that could guide. Um, 
I guess the scarier element for me is just um, keeping up with this ever-changing <laughs> landscape, right? Because like right now we're talking about social media. By the time my daughter is, you know, in her teens, like it's going to be completely irrelevant probably. There's going to be some, you know, I don't know, some metascape or something. I have nothing, I don't know anything about, you know, I've never been in it. And so how do I, how do I help her navigate it? I have no idea. That's, but I do like your, your, your analogy because, maybe that's what we need to do is relate everything that is new and different, um, ground ourselves in, in what it, something we can relate to, something that we've been through to make it approachable, to apply the lessons that we've learned in those other spaces to this one. Maybe that's right. the key. It's, it's all humans. I mean, even the AI mm-hmm. is essentially right. going to be humans because some human programmed them, right? So it'll all be human related and hopefully we can use that example for whether it was the mall or the playground or you know, mm-hmm. the bullies you found in high school <laughs> or, the, or the good friends you had in high school, right? That helped you and gave you the tools to get through it all. Well, yeah. I think it's it a human sense. interaction. Yeah. yeah. When I think about it that way, it makes so much sense because, you know, anytime that something bad happens on the internet, people are shocked and appalled, really. Like, they're like, I cannot believe you used this platform for that terrible thing. Like, they're just so, like, you know, amazed. And for me, I'm just like, yeah, you know, especially, like, having a background in, in domestic violence and intimate partner violence, I'm just like, yep, that's, that's you know, that's what they do. <laughs> or, like, with stalking, especially, I'm just like, yeah, that's what stalkers do. Like, they use every way to track you. Like, that's exactly what they would do in this situation. So people are shocked, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we have to, um, we have to see humanity for what it is and all of its good the bad and the ugly type of thing because we have to prepare each other for it and and help each other navigate through all of this and um i hope you're right about ai but i am i'm slightly terrified because (laughs) (laughs) we program it but then it goes off and learns on its own so i'm scared about that but um we'll talk about that another time (laughs) luckily i don't watch enough sci-fi to has owned to develop that period. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's that's the best place to be. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes chosen. Yeah, deliberate ignorance is bliss. I one weekend I got too much into it. I was like, oh I'm gonna watch this. And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking about it a lot. I, I think you've made a good idea about the good, bad, the ugly. Maybe mm-hmm. that's something we should apply to the stories that we tell ourselves. Like mm. before we start spiraling, mm-hmm. we, do we think to ourselves, huh, is this story that I'm telling myself good, bad, or ugly? Mm. I like that. And then allow it to continue if it's good or, you know, pause if it's ugly and just cease if it's bad, right? It's like, Mm-hmm. and can we start and grading our stories I like grading the story and I also like thinking about where it came from and if that place was a good bad or ugly place right mm-hmm. because when you know where it's coming from and you divorce it from it being your own thought or your own yeah. idea then it gives you the power to say Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to. It gives you the power to be defiant, right? Where you're just like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because that's what they expect of me. I don't even care what those people think of me or I don't want to please those people or what I want is more important, right? Even though their their opinion might be important, for example. Um, 
so yeah, it's it's really good to to reflect on all those stories. Now, how do we do it in the moment though? I feel like so many times, yeah. and I've I've seen it click for people, and and maybe part of it is that is that it's it's the advisory board, right? Like keeping yeah. the right people around you, but but um and challenging ourselves. But I wonder if there's any way we can do it for ourselves to challenge our own narratives because. I, you know, I've had somebody tell me this is happening. This is happening. It's terrible. Like all of these people are doing this or that. And then I'm just like, okay, well, I challenge them to think like, what's your part or, or what should the story, whatever. I give some kind of question to make them think about it. And then they're just like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, I'll just think about it this way. And it's like, sometimes it just takes that little trigger, that little prompt and it can change the whole thing. But I wonder if there's a way to do it for ourselves. Like, how do we catch ourselves in in the bad stories? Um, maybe it's when we're feeling when we're feeling the 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 consequences, the bad consequences of the story we're telling yeah. ourselves. I'm not sure. I think you're right. I think it's just finding that right, almost trigger for ourselves to give pause, ask the questions, and then choose how we're going to move on. And what I also add phone a friend right like mm-hmm. talk to mm-hmm. your advisory board mm-hmm. don't it is okay to be vulnerable with the people that you have chosen to be around yeah yeah and and pay attention to your feelings I think is 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 probably a big part of that right where you know like for example when somebody says that joke that is is really offensive you know when you feel offended you yeah. it, and it and you notice right not just that you know but you notice it you notice when you feel offended you notice when someone kind of gives you a little jab and it hurts Mm -hmm. you notice when somebody makes you a little bit sad um you notice when you walk away from a situation just feeling ugly and gross and something is is not settling right right so um that for me is sometimes the trigger and I don't always know what to say. And that's, you know, that's another expectation of society of like being witty and quick <laughs> and having some right. kind of comeback to say, right? Um, I will say that I am not witty and quick. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm like, I told my friend one day after reflecting, I was like, I'm not that person. I'm more of like a deep thinker, I think. But like, I yeah. had to find another script of like, what kind of person am I? You know, like, what is the, the, what is the verbiage? What is a phrase that describes me? But um, it helped me because I realized like, oh, that's okay that I'm not that person. I'm this other kind of person that I also like. Um, yeah. But you can, you if you are that kind of person who, you know, notices their feelings maybe a long time after, um, I don't know if you necessarily need to, to, you know, confront the situation with whoever you're talking to, but sometimes you do. And so I just want to share that, you know, sometimes it's a great thing to notice your feelings in the moment, go give it some thought on whether or not, you know, you appreciated what happened. <laughs> um, right. And, and then come to, to some thoughtfulness about what, what hurt you. What was it that really rubbed you the wrong way? What was it that didn't settle right with you? What part offended you? Um, and sometimes it's worth it, especially if you're in um, you know, a relationship that you value with the other person that, that, that really brought on those feelings with their actions um, to come to come back to them when you have had those thoughts and processes and, and, and let them know your conclusions, right? <laughs> and, and let them know why that, that didn't, 
that didn't sit well with you because sometimes people are I don't even know if I can call it a script but sometimes people are just it feels like they're just acting out of habit you know like sometimes they're just they're just literally reading from somebody else's script that they heard in their lives and it's almost like not with any thoughtfulness right it's just it's they're just they're just I mean they say something like I don't know if it's like 80% of what we do is is out of habit um and so so I love that this whole conversation is really about breaking you know the the norm and just breaking the 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 default settings of what people usually do because sometimes that's all that it takes and so just like we're talking about doing it for ourselves sometimes I want to say it makes sense to to help other people see that as well in in relation to you and their relationship to you and I think as a fellow deep thinker it is okay to have like a list of caged responses mm-hmm. when something inappropriate happens oh like those I are the best <laughs> when we talked about on our holiday episode like how do you deal yep. with those inappropriate conversations from your family and friends my cage response is we're not having that conversation mm-hmm. and then and adding the sentence to either what you want to have or just walking away because you yep. just have the right to choose to whether or not to have that conversation yeah for that type of meeting like my response is either inappropriate, incorrect, and then <laughs> something happens after that. And sure, it's perhaps a little talked about in circles that, well, there's Tessa just speaking up again. But you know what? That's okay. Because I don't mm-hmm. care what their their mm-hmm. thought is. For me, it was important that that kind of, you know, whatever it was, sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever comment got shot down because it's not appropriate exactly yeah and you're being true to yourself in that moment and it feels good even though something bad happened if you're true to yourself it yeah you feel good about what happened right and even though the thing that was said was not okay you did what you had to do in that moment in that reaction it's just like what your friend said of like this is my fate but I can respond to it however I mm-hmm. choose. It's the same thing. It's like you can't control other people, right? Like they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but you can mm-hmm. control how you react to it and 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 the challenge that you've put out in that moment if you feel safe to do it. So yeah, I, yeah. I can safely say that if I didn't speak up, then, you know, for 10 years, I'd probably think, man, I really should have <laughs> spoken up. But do I, will I rethink speaking up? No, I won't. Exactly. Right. Yes. And so um, I think this all kind of culminates in, in, in knowing yourself, firstly, mm-hmm. right? Really, really taking the time to get to know yourself. Are there ways that you do that, Tessa? I feel like for me, um, or I can share that with me, just a little like meditation and opportunity to just be quiet and, and you know, let my thoughts be my thoughts and not influenced by the outside world. That that has helped me get connected to myself a little bit more through life. Is there anything that it really works for you? It, meditation, but also being okay with like the weird parts of me, right? Like, <laughs> the best okay parts, <laughs> yes, the crunchy you know, bits. It, it started as a kid where it was like okay in my mind to wear wooden shoes to elementary school it didn't bother me 
And I think it's just, it's that for me, it's not worrying what other people think. And it's a conscious reminder constantly to not worry about what other people think. Yes. Yes. So knowing yourself, taking the time to know yourself and then noticing you know, the emotional reactions that you are having as you navigate this wild, wild world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, and then consulting yourself and the people that you love and trust um, in determining how you're going to react, whether it be a reaction in the moment, so you have canned responses um, anytime that this kind of situation happens again, or how you're going to react, you know, with a longer kind of game plan as, as much as like, like Tessa said, I'm going to behave in these ways in order to try to create the world that I think should exist. Right. Like that is a philosophical determination. Like you have created in your mind, a new script. So write the new script intentionally with, with, with your whole being and your true self and the, you know, maybe the people that you love and trust the most. Yeah. And be okay with talking about the idea of stories that you tell yourself and exposing the ones that are bad and sharing the ones that are good so that others can find it helpful mm-hmm. too. Because I think that's what's really helpful for me in the uplift is hearing, you know, size stories and size navigation of these situations because it gives me the tools too, whether or not I do it exactly like it or I'm like, hey, I can take this one part and adapt it to something and mm-hmm. wow, that really fixed the problem I was dealing with. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can all be here for each other in that way. And so we're going to be navigating these uncharted waters, apparently, for the rest <laughs> of our lives together. It's Yes. <laughs> it's always going to be a new adventure, which is what makes life exciting. So I, I um, think so. yeah, I'm not fearful. I'm excited. And, um, and, you know, when you have a good crew, then you're going to be okay. And, you, and, you know, everyone listening can always email us if you don't have anyone to talk to because we'll help you figure it out. Absolutely. Thank you for being part of the Sublift community. Thank you, Tessa. Thank you, Sai. I so look forward to talking to all of you again. Be well. Bye-bye.